0: Well, good morning, First Church. Uh, Yeah, you can talk back to me. I'm okay with that, all right? Hey, my name is Richard Triplett, and my wife, Claudia, and I, Claudia's right over here, we've been married, going on 54 years, and we are the proud parents of the lady you just saw on the screen. Crystal is our daughter, our oldest daughter. Yeah, so... mm -hmm. Anyway, we uh, are just so excited about being here today with you. We want to bring greetings from uh, where I serve on staff at Salem Church of God in Dayton, Ohio. Been there about, working on eight years as a care pastor and senior adult pastor. And we bring greetings from uh, the church there. In fact, you may or may not know this. Uh, our pastor, lead pastor uh, Steve Southard, serves on your board of elders, and your lead pastor, Pastor David, serves on our board of elders, and so we've got this kinship going on. And so we're just uh, really thankful for your ministry and what you are doing to impact for the kingdom of God across all three of your campuses. What an awesome ministry! that you are, are doing and having not only in your own community but around the world. Thank you for being who you are and doing what you do to uh, affect so many for the name and sake of Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being who you are as a congregation again across all three campuses. Well, uh, we also want to say happy 4th of July weekend to you and hope you have a safe holiday with your family, friends, those kinds of things. And another thing before we get in the message, Claudia and I would like to say as parents, uh, thank you for the way you've loved our kids. Uh, For all these years, you've loved Crystal and David uh, and our two grandsons, Jacob and Caleb, and we want to say a great big thank you for how you have loved them so well. Thank you for doing that. Well, today you are in a series uh, from... Uh, the, the title is uh, Summer School, I believe. And today we're looking at the subject of prayer. We can always learn of other things, new things, can't we? And maybe that's one of the purposes for summer school, to learn some new things. Uh, but today we're looking at the subject of prayer, a call to prayer. Uh, a number of years ago, when our, young, our oldest grandson, Caleb, was about two years of age, uh, he had this habit that he would do, just grab your heart. When he would want, he would come up to you and when he would want you, you to take him, he would raise up his hands and his two-year-old little voice, he would say, hold baby, <laughs> hold baby. And I mean, how can you resist that, you know? So you hold him. Well, this particular occasion, David was out of the country on a mission trip. And so Crystal and Caleb came to our home in Missouri, spending some time with us while David was gone. And one evening, David got a chance to call home. And uh, David and Crystal talked for a good while. And then uh, Crystal said to little Caleb, Katie, would you want to talk to your daddy? And she held the phone up to Caleb's ear. And the moment Caleb heard his daddy's voice, he lifted his hands and he said, Oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. And you know, as I've thought about that story, that's exactly what prayer is. In the essence, The bottom line of prayer is simply you and me as God's children holding our hands and our hearts up humbly before our Heavenly Father and say, Father in heaven, would you hold your child? Hold me close. Know my heart. May I love you and you love me. Squeeze me tight. Hold me close in this adversity, this trial that I'm going through. I need you, Heavenly Father, to hold me, your child. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, verse 7. Jesus said, "'Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened.' Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is simply saying that prayer is asking, seeking, and knocking. And he says, when we ask, seek, knock, we can expect an answer. We can expect an answer you'll receive, you'll find, and the door will be open to you. In Hebrews chapter 4, there's another passage of Scripture that simply echoes and enlarges on what Jesus was saying here in Matthew. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, reads like this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Listen to verse 16. Let us then approach God's Son of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can come boldly with confidence to the throne of God, knowing that he hears our cry and he will answer. And we can come knowing that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we can make any request of him to help us with any need in our life because why? Because Jesus has been there, done that. The scripture says he has been tempted in every way that we have, yet he did not sin. So we can come boldly into the presence of God through prayer. You might be saying today, well, pastor, I I don't know so much about this prayer thing. Uh, Maybe it's good that Somebody else prays, God probably hears their prayers or your prayers or, or somebody's prayer besides me. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know really who I am. And so I don't know if God really hears my prayer. I want you to know something today. It's not prayer, the, the privilege of prayer is not based upon how good or bad we've been, but how good God is. God is good. And he hears our cry, and he will answer as we call out to him. We talk about prayer changes things, and it does change things. But even more important than changing things, prayer changes me. Prayer changes you. When we come to God in prayer, it has a way of changing our outlook on life. It has our ch- a, way, a way of changing our vision of who God is and what He wants to do in our lives and how He wants to minister to us. Prayer changes me. Prayer will change you. It will humble us. It will bring us to this place where we depend on the Lord as we pray and as we seek His face. It will change us. So that brings us to our first point today. First thought is that the, 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 the what of prayer. What is prayer? Well, prayer is approaching God. Jesus said it, ask, that's approaching God. Seek, that's approaching God. Knock, It's approaching God. So we approach God. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace. How do we approach God's throne of grace? Well, we approach God's throne of grace with reverence, with submission and anticipation or expectation of God's faithfulness to his word. What God says in his word, he will do. About a month and a half ago, May 19th to be specific, we were, my wife and I were in Afton, Wyoming, doing some traveling, 2,000 miles from anybody we know. And suddenly my wife gets deathly sick and we absolutely didn't know what we were going to do. We, we needed some help. We needed somebody to help us. And that evening, God reminded us of the passage of Scripture, Psalm 139, where it says, Where can I go from your presence, Lord? If I rise on the wings of the dawn or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Even there your right hand will, will hold me fast. God reminded us of that verse of Scripture, and we began to pray that verse of Scripture. God, you are holding us fast. Even though we're 2,000 miles from any place, we believe that you are holding us fast. And later on that night in our phone app devotional, what do you think came up on that devotional? Psalm 139 again. It was a confirmation that God was holding us fast. The next morning, we got our help at an urgent care, and we were able to go on our way on our trip. God heard our cries. We prayed the faithful promises of Scripture. Now, you you have verses of Scripture that you claim as well, and that you pray, and I want to encourage you to, to keep on doing that. Psalm 23 is one of our favorites. I know it's a well-used passage of Scripture, but it's so personal for us. In fact, I believe for the writer, David, King David never forgot the shepherd David. He always remembered where his roots were. And that passage of scripture in Psalm 23, we have prayed this many a time in the dark night of our soul. We, have, uh, we would lie in bed at night together and we would be so overcome with the darkness in our soul that we would begin to pray this passage of Scripture together and it goes, The Lord is my shepherd. Making it personal. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. YOU PREPARE A TABLE BEFORE ME IN THE PRESENCE OF MY ENEMIES. YOU ANOINT MY HEAD WITH OIL. MY CUP RUNS OVER. SURELY, GOODNESS AND MERCY SHALL FOLLOW ME ALL THE DAYS OF MY LIFE, AND I WILL DWELL IN THE HOUSE OF THE LORD FOREVER. WHAT A PERSONAL PSALM IT IS. And you can pray those words and others that you know. Jeremiah is another one in Lamentations 3.21. Jeremiah looked around him and there was so much chaos and turmoil in his world. And God gave him a reminder of what God had spoken. And these are the words in Jeremiah, or Lamentations 3.21, yet I call this to mind. In the midst of chaotic situation, Jeremiah says, yet I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Great is your faithfulness. In the midst of your chaotic days of life, like Jeremiah, you can begin to say, Yet, Lord, I call this to mind. I call to mind what you've said to me, and I believe that you are faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Psalm 5 is another one where the psalmist says, I, I lay out my requests before the Lord every morning and I wait with expectation. I wait in expectation. I want to encourage you to lay out your requests, whatever they might look like, whatever they are, before the Lord and wait in expectation for what God will do. You know, you don't have to be in church to pray. If we only pray in church, we ought to pray in church, but if we only pray in church, we're in trouble. So I want to encourage you to pray. Pray every day. Pray every season of life, whatever you're going through. Prayer, again, is simply approaching God. James 4, verse 2 says, you don't have because you don't ask God. You don't have because you don't ask God. You know, often in life, I'm fearful that we would rather fight than switch. We'd rather fight than switch. We would often rather fight our way through in our own strength, our own way. We'd rather fight our way through than switching and saying, God, I need your help. You know what I believe? I believe that if the next time you and your spouse start to fight about something, if you'd say, whoa, time out. We're going to, let's, honey, let's bow and ask God to help us through this. You know what I think? I think if we would do that, the fight would be sucked right out of us. (laughs) I don't think there would be a fight. If we'd simply ask God to help us through. You remember those verses there in James 4 also talk about asking God and selfish motives, wrong motives. One version says you ask amiss. It is a po- it is possible to approach God and ask out of wrong motives uh, for, for amiss, as the Scripture says. And often we might think, well, the Lord didn't answer my prayer the way I prayed it. Could it be that the Lord has something better for you down the road somewhere is the reason why you didn't get exactly what you asked for? Remember back in school when you... Had you, you saw this love of your life across the the hallway, and you thought, if I could just have that one, I, I I if I could marry that one, I would live happily ever after. Well, then you graduate and you go your separate ways, and at your ten year class reunion, you see your old flame across the room. And suddenly you break out in that old Garth Brooks song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. (laughs) Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers exactly the way we've prayed them because He has something better for us down the road. He has something better for us. But God hears our prayers. It is simply approaching God's throne of grace. We ask, we seek, and we knock, we approach God's son of grace. Well, how do we pray? How do we pray? Well, Hebrews 4, verse 16, again, says, approach God's son of grace with confidence, the Scripture says, with confidence. We don't just talk to him. We allow him to talk to us. We have the confidence that he he responds to us. It's it's not a monologue, but it's a dialogue. We we talk with him. We listen. We praise. We thank him. We make our requests. We express ourselves, but we listen to him. We know that Jesus intercedes for us, so we have confidence to believe that God, what he's saying to us in Scripture, he will do. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, to sum it up, those verses in there about 6, 7, and 8, in verse 8, the Scripture says that David inquired of the Lord. In other words, he, he prayed. He, he inquired of the Lord. He asked God to show him what to do. He asked God for advice and instruction for his life. And then in verse 6, David strengthened himself. So first of all, David inquires of the Lord, and then he strengthens himself by what God told him. And I, I again, believe we can do the same in our own prayer walk We can do the same as we approach God's throne of grace. We are encouraged to inquire of the Lord, ask, seek, knock, and then what God says to us, we can strengthen ourselves. We can strengthen ourselves. We can talk to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. If we listen to ourselves, we can talk ourselves out of all kinds of stuff. But if we will talk to ourselves what God has spoken to us, reminding ourselves, rehearsing in our own hearts and minds what God has said to us. It, 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 there will be the strength that you will have that that only the Lord and His word can provide for you. Remember the Holy Spirit will teach us to pray as we should. when we can't really pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit will help us and remember the verse of scripture that says nothing is impossible. no thing is impossible with God. We can trust in the Lord for what he says he will do. Remember you are forgiven. And because you are a forgiven child of God, not perfect, but forgiven, you have been given a way to approach God through prayer. And based upon His Word, God will see you through the most trying and difficult times in life. Romans 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let me read that to you again. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Did you know the enemy of your soul, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy? And he's a liar, the Scripture says. And he will, he's good at getting us to believe lies about ourselves. He will tell you a lie that you cannot overcome that addiction. That's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. He will tell you that your marriage can never be saved or redeemed. That's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. He will tell you that you can never become the person that God has intended and designed for you to be. That's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. God says in his word that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We can believe what God is speaking to us, and we can stand on what we what we hear him saying to us rather than what we see going on in life or around us. We can believe what he's speaking to us. In October of 1982, in Badger Stadium, Madison, Wisconsin, the home of The the, uh, University of Wisconsin, the Badgers were playing in front of, on their home field, 60,000 fans, and they were playing Michigan State. Now, come on now to get some participation here in this uh, story, okay? Uh, And the Badgers were getting a spanking on the football field. I mean, they were getting beat up bad. And, And the more lopsided the score got by Michigan State just handing it to them, Uh, You would think there would be silence in the fans, but 60,000 fans, even though they were watching their team getting a spanking on the field, there would be these sudden outbursts of, of cheers and high fives and yelling and screaming and just lots of happiness in the stand going on, celebration going on occasionally in the stands. What was going on? They were watching their team get beat up. But what they were doing, they were listening on their portable radios in October of 1982 to a, a, a baseball game 70 miles down the road in Milwaukee where the Brewers were beating the Cardinals in the third game of the World Series that year. <laughs> they were responding to what they were hearing, not what they were seeing. Now, that a preach. That'll preach. Come on now, talk to me we 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 hear god's word and if all we do is respond to what we see i'm telling you it looks like we're losing we'll be a loser we'll lose confidence we'll say what's the use anyway but if we respond to what we're hearing god say listen god will create victory in your heart and in your thought it will transform our thinking it will take our thoughts captive As we pray God's Word and we listen to what God is saying to us, we can trust boldly in what we hear the Word of the Lord saying to us, and we will become more and more the person that God has designed and destined you and me to become and to be. Through all kinds of things, as we connect with Jesus through prayer, we'll see ourselves change. Yes, we see things changed, but we also see, even more importantly, ourselves changed. You remember in John chapter 15, verse 4, there's a passage of Scripture that says, Remain in me or abide in me, and I will remain or abide in you. You remember those verses? The word abide carries with it the meaning of, of a word that we use often, and it's marinade. If you abide in me or remain in me, I will abide or remain in you. Abide, marinade. Now, you know what marinade is you've got some veggies and that special cut of meat, marinating as we speak. I mean, it's, it's in the refrigerator somewhere at home, getting ready, marinating, absorbing all those seasonings and all those juices and all that yumminess in preparation for what it's going to become tomorrow on your grill. It's going to become something delicious for you to enjoy with you and your family. Marinate. Listen, as we abide, as we marinate in Jesus as we soak up his, his yumminess, his goodness, his mercy, his love, his grace, his compassion, all the yumminess of the Lord as we soak it up, as we marinate in him, the longer we marinate in him and in his word, the more and more like Jesus we become. And to include God's power at work in you and through you, we become more and more The the, the person that God has designed and destined you to become. So that's the how of prayer. We pray with confidence believing that God has a plan for us and a destiny for us. The, the, The what of prayer. Prayer is approaching God and last third point here is why. The why of prayer. Why do we pray? Well Hebrews 4 verse 16 again says so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. I don't know about you, but I need God's mercy. I need God's grace to help me in time of need. I need that. And that's what that verse says, that the why of prayer. We come to God's throne of grace. We come asking, seeking, and knocking. We come to his throne of grace Confidently, knowing that when we do, we'll receive mercy, find grace to help us. Do you need help? Anybody here need help this morning in a time of need? Sure, we do. We all need God's help. We need His help in time of need. So I want to encourage you to do what that verse says. Jesus said it again in chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 8. We receive, we find, the door will be open. This next statement, I hope you'll listen to it, read it, let it sink in your heart. It's most often by pressing through the stuff of life, we experience our most significant growth in faith. I hope you hear that. It's in the tough times of life. It's most often there we experience the most significant growth in our walk, our journey with the Lord. You remember, prayer is many things to many people. I want to encourage you to pray, whatever that looks like for you. Occasionally, I will find a prayer that is very meaningful to me in a book, and I'll make a copy of it. I have such a prayer right here that I discovered a few years ago in a book entitled Unexpected by Christine Kane. And I want to read you a portion of that prayer. And every time, I have this on my desk, and every day I pray it. And it's not, I, just, I don't just read it, I make it my own. And this is that prayer, portion of it. It says, God, you are greater than anything I face. I refuse to fix my eyes on the obstacle and enemy. But instead, elevate my gaze to you. I will speak your words of life and truth, agreeing with you alone, believing you are who you said you are and will do what you said you will do. You are faithful. You will come through. That's who you are. That's what you do. By your grace, I will live by faith. By faith, I believe you will fulfill your purpose for my life, that I will reach the destiny you planned for me all along, and I will give you all the glory in everything I do as we travel there together. In Jesus' name, amen. Whatever prayer looks like for you maybe it's finding a special prayer like this or writing out a prayer I just want to encourage you to pray approach God with confidence knowing that he we will receive will find and the door will be open you remember when the disciples were out on the sea of Galilee with Jesus in a boat Jesus was in the back asleep and the suddenly, the Scripture says, a storm blew up. And there's a lot of suddenlies in life, aren't there? Suddenly, something comes into our lives, unexpected. We, we don't know exactly how we're going to handle it. Well, this storm blew up, and the disciples thought they were going to drown. They thought they were going to be overcome by the water, and they were going to drown. And here's Jesus in the back of the boat. He doesn't even care. In fact, they said that, went to him and said, Jesus, don't you even care? You see what happened? Their circumstances were affecting and controlling their theology. What was going on around them was controlling what they believed about Jesus. But when they went to him and asked him for help, guess what? He spoke peace over the storm, and they made it through. I believe he'll do the same for us. In Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1, the ascension of Christ followed by a prayer meeting in the upper room where 120 believers prayed for, 20, for, for 10 days. 120 of them prayed for 10 days. And, and really, in essence, that's, where, that's why we're here today is because God heard their prayers and sent the Holy Spirit to empower them to spread the good news of Jesus all over the world. Revival was birthed in a prayer meeting. It was 1940 when Professor Edwin Orr, professor at Wheaton University, took a group of his theology students to England. And they were to tour some of the sites of great revivals. And one of those sites was the Epworth Rectory where the former home of John Wesley and his family. John Wesley was the great reformer of the church in his day in the 1700s. And he helped craft what we know today as Wesleyan theology, of which the Church of God is a part of. And great reformer. And he prayed. He was known to be a, a, a great, huge person of prayer. And he would pray for revival. To, to, to sweep across England and across America. And as he prayed, God did just that. Heaven broke in and revival broke out. Well, Professor Orr took his group of students into the rectory, and they made their way through the kitchen, and they explained this is where the Wesley family would eat their meals and share stories and lots of laughter and food in this kitchen then he took them into the study where John Wesley would prepare messages and read the Word of God, study the Word of God. The books were on the shelves. There were still handwritten notes on display in that office. And then he took them upstairs to the bedroom of John Wesley. They all crowded into this small old space, and Professor Orr pointed out right beside the bed there were two indentions, well-worn indentions in the carpet. And he said, this is where Wesley every morning would bow, put his knees right here in this same place every morning and pray for hours on end for revival to come to the world. Well, the tour ended. He asked the students to go back to the bus. They were all on The bus and oar stood at the front and counted to make sure they were all there, and he discovered one was missing. He went back into the rectory through the kitchen, through the study, no one there, up the steps, and when he got into the bedroom, he saw the student. He could see the shoulders and the top of his head bowed over the bed of Wesley. And he walked around the edge of the bed silently. And he saw that this student's knees were placed right squarely into the well-worn places in the carpet where Wesley's knees were placed every day praying. And he could hear this student praying, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. And Lord, would you do it again with me? Or placed his hand on the student's shoulder and he said, Son, it's time to go back to the bus. Everyone else is back on the bus. So the student rose to his feet and Billy Graham went back to the bus. And then God did it again. Sixty years of ministry. And over three million people coming to Christ through the ministry of a man known as Billy Graham, who was willing to pray, God, do it again, and do it again with me. What would happen to our world today if we, God's people in this room, would simply say, or watching online, would simply say, God, do it again? And would you do it again through me? I believe not only would we be changed, but I believe the world would be changed if we allow revival to begin in prayer for God to intervene and for God to do it again. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be in this place today with us. Precious congregation of people, thank you, God, that you are working so many wonderful and miraculous things through the ministry of First Church. But God, we do pray today that you would recreate within us a desire to pray like never before, that you would... Bring revival through us as we pray and seek your face, as we ask, seek, and knock, as we come to your throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we'll receive mercy and help in our time of need. God, may we pray. May we pray for revival. May we pray for healing. May we pray for salvation. May we pray, God, seeking your face. May we pray, and we'll thank you